0: Today's episode is brought to you by Audible.
1: Please visit audiblepodcast.com slash goo for your free audiobook download. (laughs) <laughs> it's the Queen of Thorns, everybody. Oh, was, oh the Queen gosh. of Thorns is here. Lady Elena. Lady Elena is joining us on the show. That's really not her. Thanks for clarifying <laughs> that. You know
0: I'm jealous now. You guys you guys both have a voice. <laughs> Zach, you could develop that, Lady Elena.
1: Oh, come over here. Let's talk about Lady Elena, right? <laughs> That's like a transvestite Elena. Can you boys hand me my cigarettes across the room? <laughs> sure. I'll get
2: your cigarettes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we try things. It's Game of Owns. We're a podcast. We yeah. are here today. We are. Thank you, Micah, you know, coming in for the save. Unfortunately, Selena's not with us again today because she is still traipsing. The streets of London on a trip that we're all vastly jealous of away from internet access.
0: It's true. It's true. Now, by London, do you mean Mordor? Is she, isn't she taking the ring to be undone?
1: She has the ring.
0: She's got the ring.
1: I told her to destroy that thing years ago. Nine.
0: Well, she got to the edge, and you know, can you blame her? I mean, that's man's one weakness. <laughs> Cost it into the fire. <laughs> destroy it. <laughs> Sorry. Now, all of a sudden, we're all, I think we're all pretty much uh, Hugo weaving at that moment. Going, yeah. Oh, really? You just really <laughs> you're gonna. Th- he should have tackled him. And-
1: that's what I was thinking. I would have sacrificed my life in order to read Game of Thrones, yeah. Book two, mm-hmm. uh-huh. Tyrion's first chapter. You see, that's a transition we're not quite used to yet. No, it's true. No. You
0: would have sacrificed had the series not ended, making it possible.
1: I don't know what okay. that means. I was I was interested though in, in what all
2: of us are doing in the off season now that the show is over, uh, at least for season three and. We're reading A Clash of Kings, but I happened to uh, go to a wedding yesterday, and and on my way back from the wedding, I saw that Winter Koo has actually started selling himself on the sides of U-Haul trucks, (laughs) and I I didn't realize that things were this bad for him.
0: He was a troubled camel as a youth, or I guess they're called (laughs) joeys. He was a troubled joey. Did you
1: just pull the joey card on us? Damn. (laughs) Yeah. I thought that's kangaroos. Camels. I'm yeah,
0: pretty sure I'm pretty it applies sure. to a broad range of quadrupeds that may live in desert areas. But um. <laughs>
2: <laughs> So you haul trucks, huh, Micah? Well, yeah. I mean, that seems to be uh, where the money is at right now. I, I haven't touched base recently with uh, Winter Boo. Uh, he had a, a line of uh, – winter advertisements actually at different train and bus stops throughout the New York City metro area. So it seems like they're both getting <laughs> into the uh advertising poster uh side of things, which is great, you know. They need to make some extra money. They need to work um but uh I figured being our house sigil would be enough for them and they'd be able to make enough money
0: uh from that, but clearly that is that's not the case. So uh, but it's good. Yeah, well, for Winterboo, I think it's a bittersweet thing. I mean, he is our house sigil, but Micah, you and I learned earlier today, as we were recording MuggleCast, that he was almost the Hufflepuff yes. sigil. Yes, he was, and and then wasn't passed up for that like about twelve years ago. I'm pretty sure he's still bitter. He only reluctantly. It was only after we, you know, pet him in in his sensitive areas for a really extended <laughs> period of time. <laughs> that he agreed to finally be our sigil and so i mean oh. it's the things i do for this show guys seriously you still haven't given me the video that you said didn't exist back <laughs> i want that back okay just that is, well, is that, what
2: is that video of you touching him in his sensitive area getting him to
0: become on the show and be our sigil look i mean that's just the thing so what video micah what 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 video? I, anyway.
1: I have zero idea of how to transition this into Tyrion's first chapter. <laughs>
0: like, we but like,
1: I'm going to try. Yeah. Timmit, son of Timmit, is flanking Tyrion right now with Bronn. Now, in the show, Timmit was not hanging out with Tyrion. How cool is this? It's a great chapter. That's it? I've stunned everybody. everybody. (laughs)
2: Complete silence of my brilliant (laughs) analysis.
0: You just take all of his men, or Tyrion's men, which are partly partly these mountain guys, right? Um, So, Timit, son of Timit, Rolf, son of Dolph, Worf, son of Moog, all these guys, come into King's Landing and you just (laughs) set them loose you just completely set them loose and (laughs) Tyrion doesn't know where most of them went. And it's, it's, it's a little bit funny that all these uh, savages, I guess, just came into the the capital along with Tyrion. Tyrion obviously goes straight to the small council he's welcome there but his men just kind of disperse and he i think he says uh he hoped they didn't kill anyone too important in there yeah novels. he was
1: leaving the <laughs> now that i laughed out loud during that moment he was leaving the council which is the bulk of the chapter we're reading and he's like braun where where the hell did timet go because the the king's guard moore wouldn't let him in and uh, he was like, I don't know. He kind of wandered off. He said he didn't like standing around. Tyrion just says to himself as they're walking away, he's like, I hope he doesn't kill anyone important.
0: <laughs> yeah, they're quick to take offense. These uh, mountain men, you know, it's bad enough. They got to have what was it? They Some of them need uh, rooms all to themselves, chambers, great halls all to themselves. The and, and the burned men, you know, leave them alone, set them aside from the 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 black grows. All, all these other people. It's 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 a bit of a, a political thing, you know. You just got to keep them apart from each other so that they don't cause havoc.
2: I like how uh, how great everybody reacted to Tyrion showing up in the small council because in the show you kind of got a little bit of different response depending on who it was. I felt like most people were kind of happy to see Tyrion. Even in the book, you mean? Yeah, even Baelish, Picel doesn't seem to have too much of a negative reaction
1: yet towards him being there. Varys. Yeah. He was pretty cold. He's pretty lukewarm. He's he's not quick to show his emotions. He's been playing for a while, you know?
0: Yeah, that's true. He's kind of like what Sansa reminds me of what Sansa was doing in the previous chapter, you know, not flinching away immediately from the touch of Joffrey's hand. That's Ferris going, Oh, new player. Okay. Just gonna sit here. Mm. Um, what can I say? What can I say? And
1: Cersei was seated happily in the queen's chair or in the king's chair.
0: <laughs> oh yes, she was.
1: She's the regent, she's the overlord right now, and to the best of everyone's knowledge, Tywin, who's holed up in Harrenhal at the moment enjoying the scenery, he is supposed to be the Hand of the King. So when Tyrion strolls in with a with a stamped scroll that they need to check for a forgery first, which I thought was <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, no matter Tyrion's misgivings, no matter who or what he is, no matter his reputation for whoring and drinking, yada, 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 he is in succession with House Lannister. And he, you know, in this case, should be considered royalty or whatever. And they shouldn't, you know, questioning... Tyrion in front of the rest of the small council as Cersei did. I think that that was just massively disrespectful.
0: No, it definitely was. And I think Tyrion, Tyrion is very quick to get to the bottom of it though. Um, you know, when they're alone, he says, you wish it were Jamie here. You know, you wish it were the other brother here instead Smack. of me. And, and, and boom, she's <laughs> like, wow, that's, you know, she knows, she, she, she knows he's right. Um, and she immediately softens after he says that he, of course, still, I mean, she slaps him a bunch of times a little later, (laughs) but, uh, you know, I mean, that disarms her that, that basically she knows, he knows that she knows that he knows. And so there's less tension
1: before they kicked everybody out, Tyrion and Cersei and Littlefinger, who I was surprised didn't get much of an introduction again, echoing what I've said the past few episodes, just kind of stuck them in there, you know, Mm. not a lot of backstory, not a lot of catch up, which I thought was really nice. It, It flowed really well. Um, he seemed to take to Tyrion the most out of all of them. When Tyrion um, was choosing where he was going to sleep, mm. he's like, yeah, I'll, I'll take the Tower of the Hand. Yeah. And Baelish was like, are you sure about that? I want Ned's room. <laughs> Give are me you, Ned's room. Are you
0: sure? Door number two? Really? Really door number two? It could be a pie in the face. Last couple guys who stayed there got a pie in the face. Are You, you want to do it? No whammies? But
2: how epic was that? Where he just basically gives them a history lesson on the last several hands of the king
0: yeah Yeah, that was pretty nice see nobody likes history that's like none of these bad guys like history this is the problem with them you'll see Tyrion wax on about history later on when he's prepping for uh blackwater in the series we saw him reading those huge books remember in in season two um but uh really just people kind of cut it off and say oh it's just history This, the other thing but T- Tyrion lives by that sort of knowledge that the last few people who you know stayed at the tower of the hand were murdered or met bad ends and and of course we see what he does with in the show but uh he's not he's not a fool and he does pay attention to that kind of stuff and that gives him a strategic advantage over literally everybody else who's just kind of like turning their heads and was like, is he, is he dead? This
1: was his chapter to play the game though, because even though he has this letter from Tywin, we know how Cersei deals with those kinds of letters. Mm. And throughout this entire chapter, there was a load of interior monologue where he knew that he had to play every step accordingly, even with his own sister in order to actually seal his position for himself.
0: Yeah, no. And I mean, he basically ends up telling her that he's going to do everything she wants him to do um, because they both agree. I think, you know, what's important here is that they do both agree, and he learns from Cersei that a lot of what has just occurred with Ned's death and everything was by the hand of Joffrey, who is was either ill-advised, because he at first blamed Cersei for, for giving him bad advice, uh, and she retorts that it's really just Joffrey's strong will that caused all these things to happen. They both realize that Joffrey needs to take a lesser role— And that it needs to be, you know, Cersei who's, who's essentially sitting on the throne. Um, and so by getting Tyrion's cooperation, Tyrion gains, uh, his or her acceptance as the hand, which gives him power. And then by gaining him as an ally, she, you know, feels like they're not at war. She doesn't need to worry about other interior struggles uh, except with Joffrey.
1: I thought for a moment, Micah, I immediately thought of you when I read the sentence. I thought for a second we were about to learn the identity of John Arryn's murderer. Oh, well, what you did guys, learn is that Cersei didn't do it. The
0: Lannisters didn't do it. When, when has this occurred before? The Lannisters didn't do something?
1: Well, I mean, I guess she would have told him because she bragged about what they did with Robert. So I'm assuming she would have told him about John Arryn. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I was surprised to read that because, I mean, a lot of this has been shrouded in mystery. We know that Lancel kept feeding him wine, but she goes on to say that they spiked it, making it very, very strong. And he just kept sucking it down. Like once he went for the boar, they knew it was all sealed. So, I mean, this was a plan and she did cheer about it. She said that it was like a small victory. And and they talked about eating the boar and how it tasted victorious and stuff. Oh, God. Yeah, I mean, there's just so much more information that we're getting, even even so at the beginning of the books. And obviously, this is the case because we're reading the books and that makes complete sense. So uh, to those of you out there that are reading along with us, uh, this is cool, especially the ones that haven't read this before, like Eric and myself, because uh, it's fun to discover all this new knowledge, even being so early right into the yeah. book. And and just how about the fact that
2: Tyrion is so unfiltered when he comes in here and and he has no reservations whatsoever about mentioning the relationship between Jamie and Cersei. He has no reservations about accusing her of killing Robert. And there's even that mention of the fact that
1: Tyrion, he kind of liked King Robert. How do you not like Robert? You know, (laughs) I mean, minus his bad
0: parts. (laughs) What what does he say to Cersei? You were born to be a widow. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there you go. Right, right there. It it just, he sees her for what, for what she is. But, um, yeah, sometimes the truth just isn't easy, but I, I'm still just blown away, man. If she didn't kill John Aaron, who the hell did? Well, I can't tell you that. <laughs> that was rhetorical, Mike. Oh, I I'm don't sorry. expect you to tell me. Um oh, why, why don't you tell me but black it out? Okay. No, Ready? Yeah, Here black we go. It out. The black. killer
1: is uh Winter Boo.
0: Oh, How'd you
1: guys know? What a twist of fate that would be.
0: John Aaron was the one who convinced J.K. Rowling to not use Winter Boo as the house sigil for (laughs) Hufflepuff.
1: (laughs) I need to use this later. Um, (laughs)
2: One one other cool bit of information that was revealed was that Varys was behind Barristan Selmy getting kicked out of the Kingsguard.
0: Selmy, I'm glad you brought it up because Selmy's exit, it, it just really, really interested me because there's a mention about the Starks. And Tyrion says, Well great, he got away. What you know, what do you think's gonna happen if he shows up next to Rob Stark in battle? Or Stannis. Or, or Stannis Renly. Baratheon. He says, What what do you what are you gonna do? And she's like, I hadn't even thought of that, is what Cersei says. So my question is, no we know where Barriston goes. He goes far east and ends up with Danny, but my question is, why wouldn't he fight with Stannis or Rob? Or Renly. Why would why would he actually why are his loyalties not if 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 not to the, the throne, okay, they kick him out of King's Landing, why doesn't he go to the neck like the noblest people of Westeros? Why does he go all the way east to where well, Danny is?
2: I find it interesting that Varys suggested the idea of dismissing Sir Barristan. So indirectly he's responsible for Barristan taking the fall for this. However, We all know that Varys, at one point, served the Targaryens, and where does Barristan the Bold end up later on in the series? With Daenerys. So, were
0: you suggesting there was some kind of an arrangement made between Varys and and Selmy? I
2: find it coincidental that that he
0: ended up back with her,
1: back with another Targaryen. I think the answer is clear, though. Varys, if if he did play such a a large part in, in this exit for Selmy, he knows the kind of man that Barristan is, and after being cast out, from the usurping people from his last job, essentially, he went back to the family that were the original owners of the throne, the ones who united the seven kingdoms, and that were the actual dynasty.
0: That's interesting that he should end up there, though, because they also say that Selmy is the only living survivor, along with Jaime, from the original Kingsguard that was that was uh, the Mad King. You know, so he's one – uh, they're two of seven, and so it's Selmi and Jaime, Right. Am I, am I not confusing characters here? That's, that's right. Okay. So, I mean, again, there, there's that connection to the old king and to the Targaryens. And that kind of interests me quite a bit, to be honest.
1: The way they talk about Barristan in this chapter, it makes me think that if he jumped into battle with anyone, he'd be like Sauron with the ring and just start destroying people. Yeah. You know? I love that though. They said that he slayed men at the mud gate and he marched forward. I think that's the point they brought up. Like what would it what would it look like if he was riding shoulder to shoulder with one of your enemies in battle? Like would the who would the people flock to? Because this man is legendary. They were comparing him to some famous fighters throughout Westerosian history. Yeah. And I think that's awesome. And so that makes me wonder what's going to happen even more when Danny crosses the big water and, you know, shows up with with Barristan. Like, what's that going to be like? Now, before we move on, there are a few things we need to tell you guys about. Just a few. Or one thing that we could tell you about. You might have heard at the beginning of the show... The first ever advertising plug that this podcast has done ever. Ever. The show's been coasting along now smoothly for over 100 episodes. And, you know, throughout the course of the show, we've had offers and we've had ideas They're like, hey, when are you going to advertise things on the show? And, you know, nothing
0: has really been quite the right fit for us just yet. Until now. Until now. And let's just preface all this, well, we just kind of did some of it, but just by saying that we would only advertise a service that we believe in.
1: At the end of the day, this is about specifically what we're doing right now in this mythical, ethical off-season, because as you guys know, listening to the show, we are covering very heavily, chapter by chapter, the second book in the Song of Ice and Fire series, A Clash of Kings.
0: So, keeping that in mind, it only makes sense that this week, we're going to be recommending through Audible's service that you use your free audiobook token for A Clash of Kings by George R. R. Martin.
1: Is it a token? I think we could call it a token.
0: I think it's a token. I mean, when I redeemed it, it was a token.
1: It's true. No, you did redeem it because right now you're instead of reading, you're actually checking out the audiobook rather than because I'm reading like a clown. I think pretty <laughs> sure Micah is reading like a clown. And Eric's like, oh, I listen to the audiobook. I listen to the audiobook. I guess it works, though.
0: Yeah, well, I drive for work and I often well every day like I commute, you know, 30, 45 minutes. So I've actually been doing the chapters that way. Um, through the audio, but actually the, the author or the narrator, we met him on the show. He's the guy who shows Tyrion. He's like the firemancer or whatever. Pyromancer. <laughs> by, <laughs> there you by, go. The firemancer. He's the, he's the pyromancer on the show in season two. And, uh, he's the narrator for the audiobook. And I just have to say, I was, I'm um, I'm still blown away by, by just his interpretation of the series. So, and that's, that's what I've been listening to in my ear holes during work and, uh, also just catching up, you know, to do, to do these, these shows.
2: Audible is just a a great resource. It's a great place for people who are on the go, especially now that it's the summertime, people are going to be traveling. People are going to be taking vacation. They're going to be in airplanes. They're going to be in cars. They're going to be in boats. They're going to be on all different types of vehicles, rocket ships throughout the world. Yeah. (laughs) Perhaps camels, camels, especially Uh, and, uh, you know, what better way to pass the time as you travel or as you commute, as Eric pointed out, uh, than by listening to a book, uh, in your ears. And I know that we've worked with Audible before, uh, on other podcasts such as Mugglecast, and the listeners have really enjoyed, uh, being able to utilize their service to go and download a free audio book. And, uh, you know, in, in some cases, it allows people to get into other areas uh, that they may potentially be interested in because they can just pop on, download the book, and then all of a sudden they're captivated by what they've listened to. And now they return and they go back time and time again to download the rest of the books by that author or in the series. So it's really a a great, great place to go.
0: And here's the thing. We're in uh, three chapters into uh, Clash of Kings. And I know some of you out there are still uncertain if you're going to read along with us. Well, now, with this free audiobook token through Audible, there is no excuse not to read along with us because you can do it by audiobook just like Uh you listen to this podcast. (laughs) Just like you listen to this podcast. We really want you to be going along with us and sending us your owns every week. We want to make this as interactive as possible, and the best way to do that is through Audible service.
1: It is. It makes a lot of sense. It's just like a podcast. You listen to the audiobook. You know, we have three episodes a week and that's great, but that doesn't fill your entire week. So if you're listening to podcasts on the go, this does fill a lot of that time. So the easiest way to do it is to head over to audiblepodcast.com slash goo. We all know what goo means. That's Game of Thrones. Audiblepodcast.com slash goo. You can grab a free 30-day trial by using that URL. And by doing so, it's a very convenient way to grab up a Clash of Kings, like Eric said, because we're doing that entire book in this on season
0: by the way Zach I love that URL <laughs> yeah just yeah. goo it's a new well, gooey URL I they were
1: it. like would you like game of Owns or goo and I was like mm, let's go with goo that makes sense
0: <laughs> no, so it's
1: just goo everybody knows that yeah
0: yeah so audiblepodcast.com slash goo how
1: gorgeous that was Eric thank you for that
0: there you go no don't thank me thank the pyromancer.
1: <laughs> anyway you know how to do it audiblepodcast.com slash goo it really helps support the show. It helps support you. It helps support our downtime. And hey, it's good for everyone.
0: Mm. Uh, oh yeah, let's talk about Sansa for a moment. Cersei basically tells Tyrion that the only reason, the biggest reason why they were able to thwart Ned and teaming up with Renly and all this other stuff was because Sansa came and told her Ned's all of Ned's plans. It's literally said all of his plans. And... They were able to then stop him. Cersei says uh, words along the lines of "She was she was wet for um, love with for, for Joffrey and 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 us and would would tell us anything, um, you know back then." And obviously, chopping off Ned's head changed that. So Cersei knows too that uh, Sansa really that that was a deal breaker. The cutting of, of Ned's head, which is important though, because Sansa still, if they ask her she still you know waxes um lovey-dovey over joffrey. Um so is apparently able to see through that now. She she probably knows that that Sansa's up to no good. So that's something to keep in mind, but I was just blown away by by getting this because it it just kind of drove it home how important those events from book 1 were. I remember reading that in book 1 and going Sansa did what? Um and it's <laughs> it's really it's just again that's extremely important. I think
2: with this chapter does is it is it paints the picture of
1: just how large the mess is that Tyrion has to clean up. Oh definitely. I was completely surprised by how soft the conversation became between Tyrion and Cersei. Yeah I, I definitely expected it to stay venomous and for her to stay on the offense, but I mean toward the end she's she's saying stuff about Sansa. She's saying all these things about Barrison. You know she's leveling with him just how dirty and messy everything is, which I thought she would kind of, you know, gloss things over to make it appear like the job that they're doing isn't so poor, but she didn't. She was pretty outright, but I don't really believe the Sansa thing. I don't know if that's just me being naive. I just feel like that might be another lie from Cersei because I mean, it could have been Varus. It could have been Littlefinger. There's birds everywhere. does it have to be Sansa that just went right to the queen. My dad's planning all of these things, you know, because
0: well, it's, it's certainly possible that she's not know. telling the full truth or, or the truth to Tyrion. I, I think it is possible. We're meant to believe that she's softened so much that, that they're just talking like civils, but uh, we do see from Tyrion's perspective that he's still keeping things from her. So it's fair to say that she would keep things from him. That said, I do think it's probably just gauging how I feel about the mood and the setting. I think George is writing a tragedy here uh, you know, for Sansa that, that I think it really was fully, unequivocally her fault that that Ned uh was, was able to be butchered like that or caught at the very least in, in the act of what he was doing. Um and, and that's just something that we have to to live with reading because it, it makes us feel bad for Sansa, but it also makes us go, Oh, she was could definitely have learned mm-hmm. from that experience.
2: Yeah, but he was also betrayed by Baelish at the end of the day, right? I mean yeah. But it w- you're saying, would Sansa have a part to play in that? Possibly, if what is being said here is true, we don't have any reason not to believe it. Uh, but, you know, Baelish and Jano Slint are ultimately the ones who decided not to turn against the Lannisters. And to take Ned captive.
0: Well, remember when Ned sat Arya and Sansa down and said, we're going back to Winterfell, pack your stuff. And she, Sansa, felt so left out. She was like, but my home is where the court is and you don't care about my thoughts and my feelings. And then she went straight off to to the Queen. Like, that's what happened. You know, again, there was that thing with Baelish, you're right. But I just keep harking back to that moment where... Unfortunately for Sansa, she did give those important details right directly into the the lion's mouth.
1: And Cersei did say that that was a very bloody, bloody day, and she spoke at length about how Arya was not captured and how they were foiled by her dancing master and she <laughs> didn't say what the fate of him was, which I was hoping she would say like, oh, we killed him or oh, he got away.
0: It took 15 of us to kill him. And it's like, yeah. OK, but he's dead. But Dan, that's good. But he's dead. You're right. They didn't say anything.
1: They didn't say anything. So I was, you know, kind of saddened by I'm that. I'm holding out
0: hope, Zach. You know I am. And, yeah, and I,
1: I, I am too. The uh, the tainting of the Great Sept of Baylor. I was so glad about that. I mean, I'm not glad that it happened, but I'm glad they got some negat- negativity directed toward them after that. Like like the dishonesty they did to Ned, tainting the Sept of B- Baylor for executing someone. But it, o-
2: yeah. it almost seems like she says that – I don't know how big the window of opportunity was, but there seems like there could have been a window of opportunity for her to step in and put an end to this. But she uses the example of the fact that she had Joffrey – use half of King's Landing or or do what he did in front of what half of King's Landing. So there was very little opportunity for him to go back on his words or to not do what was said.
1: Yeah. And Ilan Payne and and, and Jono Slint just stepped up happy as a clam without enough time to give her a word to be like, stop for a second. Hold on. My my son didn't have lunch today, so he's a little uh, angry. He didn't you know, say you Simon know how kids says. get.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: and I didn't I didn't really get yet
2: any distaste from Tyrion for um, Janos Slint. I know that that comes about a little bit later on. We saw some of it in the TV show, but I don't really think that he has very much trust for the man considering what happened to Ned. I
1: think he was definitely annoyed by his sudden lordship and ownership of all these lands, especially for essentially betraying the hand of the king. Right. And and this chapter was so open and I you know comparatively speaking to the show obviously. Um this this chapter and I I believe it'll push through the rest of this book painted such a clear picture of how bad they messed up by murdering Ned. How bad it, they messed up, and how much they all know it was not a good thing that happened. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. In the show, I don't think. I mean, it definitely does a a job at it. But in the book, here here in this chapter especially, it's just like they are in pieces because of their actions. Like they wouldn't have had an enemy in the north. Yada yada. You know, mm-hmm. it goes on. Yeah.
0: No. And seriously, even says. Uh, you know, Ned should have uh, taken the, he would have been sent up to take the black and then gone, like, not our problem forever. Cause she knows that Ned was so honorable that he wouldn't break the black once he took it. And so to her, that means he would have been out of their way forever if he had taken the black. That's as, like, Cersei didn't seem to have any questions about that. Like, he would definitely be up there for the rest of his life. Would have been as good as death without the, the war that they now face. Right. Yeah. Um, at least from, at least from the Starks.
1: Well, his head, along with the heads of several other people from House Stark, <laughs> are littering. Uh, I don't want to say littering because litter, littering you makes it sound it like it's too much of a mess. <laughs> They're loitering on top of the, the walls uh, just as Tyrion was leaving. He was being escorted by a handful of Lannister guardmen to go to a location we yet do not know. And he sees this. Up on the wall and and I think his first reaction was, Man, those are looking pretty old up there. Getting a little aged, you know, the <laughs> severed heads of all the Stark House. Yeah.
2: It was uh it was a bit of cunning on his part though too, and I forget the exact quote, it was it's gonna be my own, where he, he turns to the guy he's riding with and he says, Yeah, well basically if you don't take those down, your head is gonna be up there by tomorrow morning. So screw yeah. what
1: Joffrey says. I'm in charge, get the heads down now. Well he asked to have him down and the response from from the guardsman was like you know his grace said that we should keep it up until we finish or until we fill those last three pikes that are empty up there. And he goes, let me guess. Um, Rob, um, Stannis, um, Rindley. And the guy's like, yeah, good guess. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, okay, listen, first off, the guy who ordered you, he's like, let's not forget Joffrey's 13. Can we can get those down by tomorrow? You know, because they're, you know, but it makes total sense. Like, the city is in disarray. You know, it, it talks so much about what he sees as he's uh, as he's leaving yeah. the council Chambers, and as he's walking rats. across the city, rats, it, barbecued yeah. rat, fresh barbecued rat, which he said looked better than the meat <laughs> at the butcher's, the butcher's chamber. shop. Yeah, he said there was a man. I said he said Tyrion was telling us Tyrion saw. There we go. It's a book. Tyrion saw a man that was naked and getting torn apart by feral dogs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean it's it's a it's a grave place right now in King's book land and, you know, people now. are hungry. <laughs> yeah book your vacations. look out for the cell sword at the door of every person selling anything. Also look out for the heads up there that's not putting anyone in a good mood. you know very true anyway, so amidst all of this strife, there is one place, and I think there are probably several locations of the same iteration of thing around the city where business has not decreased in the slightest, and that would be the house or the houses. That the whores live in.
0: <laughs> yep. Now, is it not suspect for Varys to show up at a whorehouse? I mean, who let him in?
1: Probably the same person that let all the dogs out.
2: Varys
0: just slippers by. Nobody ever pays
2: him any attention. That's how he's able to get from one place to another.
0: That's true. He had his invisibility cloak on. So Tyrion <laughs> arrives at the, uh, the, the, the whorehouse then and is upset. Because, and a little surprised because who is sitting next to Shay but Varys?
1: Yeah, no, that surprised me. I was like, Oh, wow, Varys.
0: (laughs) Uh, so this was, this was Varys's way, if you ask me, of greeting Tyrion by saying, I know who this woman is. I know what, you know, how important she is to you. Uh, welcome to King's Landing. No, seriously, welcome, but, uh, don't expect that, you know, you and me are, are, are gonna, that you can do any harm to, you know, against what I want for the kingdom. So it was very pointed. It was very smart. It was very emotionally charged, I think.
1: And this was our first look at Shay in the second book. Hey, that rhyme. That that was a good rhyme. And she's sitting at the table. They're having conversation. They're sharing wine. They're sharing drinks. But in this book, I like Shay. I do. Mm-hmm. So far, at least. And, and And I don't feel like she's the only jealous one now. Because within this part of the chapter, there is such an interesting back and forth between Varys and Tyrion where every line has an interior thought where Tyrion yeah, is wasn't, basically wasn't that great? translating it. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah,
2: no, I really like that. I, that was a cool dynamic of this particular chapter because you're already inside Tyrion's head and you're seeing things through his perspective. But then you're also kind of delving deeper into his mind, which was kind of weird but cool at the same time. <laughs> and uh, what sets this apart from the, the the TV series is that, you know, Shay is in a whorehouse. So she's kind of secluded away from anybody who could possibly, you know, tie her to Tyrion, except that here's Varys, who somehow knew, and Tyrion deduces that it was upon their arrival, somebody noticed, and I, I guess that was... Figured out from his comments about walking into the gates and there's different – there's some sort of like symbol or something
1: there about eyes following you. I don't remember the exact It was uh, some statues that Varys is like, every time I I enter the city through this gate, I just weep because I feel like – They just watch me. They keep watching me. And Tyrion was like, oh, shit. He knows everything that I do.
2: (laughs) But this is awesome because to me, if you could possibly
1: call it a bromance, this is like the beginning of the bromance between Tyrion and
0: Varys. I'm watching. I mean, there
1: was a lot of mutual respect here, you know? And, And Varys was a little scary, honestly, in this chapter because, you know, Tyrion sees him as someone that's posing a large threat. And... You know, when you pull out the big guns at the very beginning, because Tyrion snuck her in, she was far away from where they were meeting, you know? He snuck her in, and, and Varys pulls out the big guns immediately by beating him to the place, all right? And hanging out there and being a few drinks in by the time he arrives. Like, that's strong arming.
0: <laughs> it is. Yeah. No, no, no. But uh, Tyrion, actually, at the end of this all, and this, this was sweet, actually. he He, he was able to shake off the day's wares um and i don't just mean clothing i mean you know he was able to kind of put his mind at ease because he was back with shay um and there was quite a you know a little bit of back and forth there <laughs> word wise um you know that i thought was 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 pretty sweet and in in the end the chapter just ended very well um you know in, in kind of the afters of of some love making and Um, Tyrion vowed that that he would bring justice to to King's Landing which I thought was just a strong way to to end the chapter
1: indeed it was
0: Um, which shows that he has what Ned has uh, it in, in it does. at least some small way. In some way, is that small way? Sense of duty. No pun intended. It's a real, it's a real sense of duty. Yeah. Oh, and
1: I totally forgot about Varys telling him about all the queen's preparations for battle. All of the the stone masons that's getting to work oh, fortifying yeah. the walls. They're building trebuchets. They're building catapults. And they've got the Alchemist's Guild. I want to know how to join it. Uh, working on many, 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 many large containers of wildfire.
0: Yeah, no, that's going to be my own. I think for this, for just this, mention uh, chapter wildfire, for sure. the mention of wildfire. The mention of wildfire. Also, the fact that Cersei kind of surprised Tyrion by actually get doing some planning. Um, so she wasn't entirely helpless, which surprised me. So there's that. I like it.
1: Well, if you're going to do your own, Eric, I'm going to have to give my own to, hmm, you know, I feel like it's easy to give it to Varys because he did a good job of telling Tyrion what's been happening. He did a good job of showing Tyrion what he has going for him, but it has to go to Timmet because (laughs) he just went wandering around the castle, (laughs) you know, and I just think that that's cool. So good for Timmet. You are not from there. And you made yourself known. You made your presence known. I hope you didn't kill anyone important.
0: God. Was it Bran said some men weren't bred to wait in halls? Yeah. You like
1: that? Nice. <laughs> My own is
2: Tyrion showing some respect for Sir Barristan when uh, Cersei says, We were prepared to offer Selmy some land and, and a tower house more than the useless old fool deserved. Tyrion says, I hear that useless old fool slew two of Slint's gold cloaks when they tried to seize him at the mud gate. So, and then Tyrion goes on to talk about how great Barristan the Bold was and the fact that, as we mentioned earlier, how would it look if he joined forces with Robb Stark or Stannis Baratheon? So
1: Tyrion owned a lot in this chapter. As he always does. It was a Tyrion chapter, fitting to begin the second book. Well, I wonder what the listeners have to say about this chapter. Oh, Any owns and a, and a and a shout out own
2: to the Broken Anvil, because hey, let's face it, what kind of modern day strip club would you want to go to? You would want to go to one called the Broken Anvil, right? Is
1: is that what it was called? Yeah. No, oh, yeah. that's awesome. <laughs> There is an email here that I think surmises many, many owns for many different people from a Mr. Dylan Manwoody. He writes, "My own goes to every word that came out of Tyrion's mouth. He's great in the show, but I had forgotten how much funnier he is in the books. And his chapters in Clash of Kings only get better from here." Also, does anyone find it interesting that Varys, who we've seen talking delirio about Daenerys, was the one who told Joffrey to fire Sir Barristan? You see, Micah. See more people are Thank on that you, vein. Thank you, Dylan. Aha. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. See. I'm not crazy. Well, yeah, I am. But there's an opportunity, folks, to help Micah feel better about himself. And the way to do that is to shoot us over an email with owns. And who knows? It might be the same own he has. It may be something that he mentioned. And it's it's just good overall to, to pay it forward.
0: Yes. Pay it forward. And if you're interested in paying it forward, you can do that in one of three ways, can you not? First is by email, like Tell you just us, said, Eric. Zach. You can email us at contact at com. Thank you, Dylan Manwoody, for your generous contribution to our email inbox. If you wanted to send us a tweet uh for your owns or any other comments that you may have, we're on Twitter, twitter.com slash game of owns. And I know a lot of you have Facebook. So We're on Facebook as well. Facebook.com slash Game of Owns. Check us out. Check out our wall. Yeah.
1: Be careful because it's very tall.
0: And uh, you can
2: also give us feedback by going over to iTunes and leaving us a nice little review of this podcast where nothing less than five stars is acceptable. We're heading into the final week of June. I can't believe that. Uh, And uh, we will be turning the calendar to July and when we do so, nothing less than five stars will be acceptable in that month as well. But to give you an example, Grimly Fiendish 88 wrote in on June the 17th, and they had to say, all kinds of awesome, period. Uh, best GOT podcast out there. The hosts are all funny, intelligent, and you can tell they all love the show and the books deeply. Highly recommended. Deeply. P.S. You guys should do more covers.
1: Of mid-90s R&B songs. Well, <laughs> yeah, like genuine. He's really good at mid-90s R&B. R&B. Well, we save that like my, for my uh, Fridays usually, right? Karaoke Fridays? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, is, that, is that what they're <laughs> called now? <Okay. laughs> Maybe, I don't know. Uh,
2: but <laughs> it's usually when Sam gets into the mood and he can sing along with everybody. And we'll we'll, we'll keep that in mind for this Friday's episode, Grimly Fiendish 88, which I'm sure is
1: your... Birth name. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Grimly Fiend to Shady Eight.
2: Uh And uh, one other review from Galleramatto. I hope I'm saying mm-hmm. that right. Uh, when you play the game of podcasts, you win or you
1: die. Is their title. That's
0: pretty harsh. I'd hate to lose the game of podcasts.
1: Well. Yeah, me, me too. too. Let's keep trying. Uh, That's
0: why <laughs> I only subscribe to podcasts I'm on. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's one
1: way to that do is. it. <laughs> uh,
2: so, this person, he or she or both has, has this to say and these people are definitely winners. Well, thank you very much. We we tend to uh agree with that from time to time. Uh we
1: use effort lots of effort.
2: <laughs> one of the best podcasts I've listened to and the one that got me hooked into podcast. Well, we always like to hear Ooh, wow. that. Uh, that is high praise. The hosts are very entertaining and awesome, and each episode is better than the last. These people make you feel like you're one of them by interacting with the listeners whenever they can. Just like this. We're interacting. Hey. Just listen to them, and you'll
1: see. You mean you'll hear. You sure about that? What? Maybe they watch it in like one of those audio waveforms oh, or something. Yeah. It sounds like a, a warning from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. It's like, you'll see... I think we need time travel when it comes to all of this. We do. It's true. You see, iTunes works. It does, and and we you know we have a lot of fun with this all
2: the time. Um, you know, we we do silly threats, and you know, it really it, it is a good place for other people to learn about the show and to learn about what we're what we're doing here, and and if they have interest in in Game of Thrones beyond just reading the book or watching the show. Listen up! I got something very <laughs> oh, important message. to say. Eric?
0: Sam's oh, got okay, a message. Sam.
2: Yeah, I heard you the first time.
0: Okay. <laughs> he's got a message, people. Oh, God. <laughs> Listen to what he's saying. Here
2: we go. It's important. It is important. Can I say it? Please. So, as uh, we've just taken some time to go through our owns and read some of yours, we really like it if you could send us your owns in advance.
0: That's it.
1: That's it. We're reading this week. We've got Brandon and Aria following. We've got Wednesday. We've got Friday and there's a whole lot more coming. So the more you guys send to us in advance, the easier it is to compile everything because we record at some odd times. Three episodes a week mm-hmm. is kind of rough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We
0: never know when we're going to record and we'd hate, hate, positively hate more than, more than, uh, well, more than most of the other characters in Westeros, hated the other characters in Westeros, for you you. (laughs) to send an own and be late with it, for us to have already recorded something during the time of your own. So if you are keeping along with us in the show just be diligent as diligent as possible and uh, we would love to get to your own before the first time instead of recapping it a little later on. yeah
1: we did miss a few good ones so make sure you guys send those in if you have any interest very much so yeah you see what we're doing right now is a large undertaking we've done it once before but now it's after season three we're coasting along on a, on a pretty decent pace i think through a clash of kings and uh personally for me I just every time I get done reading, I'm just like, This is great. This is good. This is fun. So I'm I'm really happy to be in the on season and I think a lot of the listeners are too. The on season. I like that. Eric, you finally said something good on the show.
0: Thank you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I've earned my
0: uh... Earn my 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 quarters. Well,
1: just remember, everybody. Wednesday, catch up because we're talking about Brand, a Mister Brandon,
0: Mister Brandon, stock of House Winterfell
1: from King's Landing. I'm Zach Louie.
0: I'm Eric Skull. I'm Sam, and I'm Micah. Winter Boo needs a job. Is that it?
1: Yeah, that's it.